All right, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary, and this is episode 25. Uh, I am excited as hell for this interview for a couple reasons. Number one, I consider this top female friend, a confidant, but she's also badass. She is a former LPGA professional golfer turned executive coach to top females. With that being said, Kristen, uh, Christina, welcome aboard. What's up? Thank you How so are much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. Um, if you're listening to this right now, uh, you might need to turn the sound down just a little bit. <laughs> She's going to light you up, but get your pen and pencil out or pen and paper out. You're going to be taking a lot of notes. So, Christina, today we're going to talk about a very hot topic that you and I both know well as former athletes, and that is the topic of self-worth. But before we get there, for the audience who has no idea who you are, take us back. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Of course, you live in the heart, America's heartland right now, but you don't come from the United States. You were born north of the border. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, Christina LeCure. I'm a former professional athlete, former professional golfer. Grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Grew up in a golfing family. Didn't take up the sport until later in life, actually. I was uh, worked at a golf course basically since I was in diapers. My dad was a professional. He was a professional hockey player for a really long time. And then he trans after his hockey career was over, he went into golf. Him and his brothers, they were all in the, into the exact same thing. So I grew up in that family at about the age of 13 or 14 I ended up starting working at a golf course that wasn't my dad's and uh, from there I you know I scrubbed golf clubs washed golf carts I was the first female ever to work in the back shop they call it at a private country club in Edmonton where I'm from you know I wore the men's slacks and the men's size small shirt because they refused to allow me to wear like a female outfit because everyone had to wear the same thing for like two years I wore men's pants and men's shirt but um, when I was about uh, it was almost right before I was turned 18 I was like okay I love these guys that I get to work with on a daily basis but they all get to go play golf after work and I don't play golf because I was like I held out my dad told me I needed to play and I was like ah hell no so I started playing when I was 18 and I got really really good really fast to be honest with you I um, broke 190 and 80 in the same summer and right before I started playing golf I actually went backpacking through New Zealand I came home and I looked pretty good and then I got really good at golf all in the same summer summer and um from there honestly it kind of took off for me in the fact that i quote unquote became someone uh in my town i won or city i guess million something people i won the uh ladies open championship and i think back in 2000 and yeah it was 2000 i think and uh from there on, I got a college scholarship. I went to the University of Central Arkansas, where I still live here in Arkansas. I was a four-time All-American, athletic and academic All-American. And then I turned professional shortly after college and uh, did a couple reality shows on Golf Channel, went to the final stage of Q School. A lot, a lot happened in, in that time, but basically my golf career was very fast. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Now, being yeah. a sports fanatic that I am, if you didn't hear what she said, she grew <laughs> up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Yep. I'm guessing during your father was a former pro hockey player. Yeah. So my dad during, and my uncle both. You grew up during the time the Edmonton Oilers were the greatest team ever. 
Okay, this is, we got to cut right here because this story you need to hear. Your people are going to love this. When I was growing up, all the kids that were on my grandma's fridge, you know, the magnets on grandma's fridge was all her grandchildren and Wayne Gretzky's kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's where I grew up is where Wayne Gretzky was God and my grandma had our photos and Wayne Gretzky's children on her fridge. Hockey was like heaven up there. Well, and it was during a time period when, again, we could, if any, any NHL fans listening to this, those were probably the great, some of the greatest hockey teams the NHL has ever seen. Ever. And, and so the other, the other little known fact about Christina, you may have caught, she went to this uh, central Arkansas home. The NBA fans of Scotty Pippen. Wow. You know, very few people know that. Good for you. Well, my little story, I think I've shared this with you, Christina. When I was about 12, 12 years old, I think we played in the national AAU tournament for baseball. And the national tournament just so happened that year to be in Conway, Arkansas. So we got to stay in the dorms of Central Arkansas University. Oh my gosh, what the smallest world ever. <laughs> I didn't even know where Arkansas was on the map where, when I came here. And that is a true statement. Known for its underrated beauty. It's gorgeous here. I actually sit on the state board. We're getting way too far ahead, but I actually sit on the state board uh, for tourism here in Arkansas for the Arkansas Golf Trail. And Arkansas is actually considered the natural state. It is absolutely gorgeous here and I wouldn't live anywhere else. I've been here 18 years now. That's awesome. So let's, let's dive in then to, go, I'm gonna take you back. You had said when you were 18, which this is so interesting. When somebody hears you played professional golf, they assume that you've had a golf club in your hand since age four, kind of like Tiger Woods, right? But you didn't really pick up the sport until age 18 and you had instant success. Did that impact you in any way that you pick up a sport, granted you'd been around it for years, but you pick it up and you just have instant success in it. Do you think that impacted you in any way from a, a self-worth, uh, how you valued yourself compared to your brothers? Um, what impact did that have on you? Oh my gosh, where do we start? Absolutely. So like I said, when I was 18, I got really good at golf and I was actually, I came home from a backpacking trip and you know, it's that time in your life where, you know, you get your hair cut for the first time or, you know, get highlights or whatever it is. And I came home and people were like, oh my God, you're actually really hot. And so I, it is what it is, right? I was good looking at 18 and I took up a sport that guys were, you know, guys were known to play. Not very many females played it. And I got extremely good, very fast. And I got a college scholarship within two years. I won the first three tournaments I ever played. And from that moment on at about 18 years old, something happened to me. Like you basically hit the nail on the head is I got immediate attention. I was the good looking girl who was good at golf, who was getting media attention, was getting attention from every person at the country club, who was getting college scholarship offers. Her parents were like, you know, oh my God, like, I can't believe that you're taking this up. All of the attention from the guys, everything. And I had never really not, like, I had never really been like, nothing was really wrong with my childhood. There was nothing, anything like that. But it was just, I wasn't really like, my brothers were the ones who were the star athletes. And I immediately became like, the spotlight was on me. And probably for the next 10 years after that, I was on a hamster wheel of, I needed the external validation. 
it was like a drug to me that I started taking when I was 18 years old and I could not live without that drug. It was how much better can I get? How much skinnier can I get? How much better looking can I get? How much more successful can I get? How much more money can I make? Because everyone gave me validation based on those external things and I became an addict to it. You know, here's a, a question I'd love to ask you because again, being a professional athlete myself, I think one people or one thing people think or mistake when they see a professional athlete is, oh, it must be nice, right? Mm. You're, you're playing golf or baseball. Did you see a big shift in how you were perceived or how the sports became more of a business when you left the amateur world of college golf and became a professional golfer? Did you, did you see things shift a little bit there in the sport itself? Oh my God, a thousand percent. And obviously maybe the difference between you and I even still is there's a big difference when it comes to men and women in oh, yeah. sport as yeah. well. You know, the men on, you know, I went from college to um, playing the mini tours uh, on in golf and the mini tours for women. I mean, you're barely making 30 grand a year and you're doing really well, but oh yeah, your expenses are 50 grand a year. <laughs> At, at the absolute minimum, that's like literally like Southwest middle seat eating at Subway every day. And um, I was very fortunate. I did have people sponsor me along the journey, but I worked my ass off to get those sponsors. But it is funny how everyone assumes that you're living this life that everyone wants. Like, oh my God, how lucky are you? You play professional golf for a living. Well, I really, if I'm being honest, I really didn't want to play professional golf for a living. The more now I can see that in hindsight, oh my God, it's crystal clear. But in the moment when you're experiencing it, everyone is telling you, oh my God, your life is amazing. This is the best thing that ever happened to you. It's the only thing that you can do. Why would you want to do anything different? Playing golf for a living? You're so lucky. And the thing is, is I truly, if I thought about it, I didn't want to play golf. I like to golf, but I love com competition. I love people. But my thought process was, Christina, you're only known for golf. You're only going to be successful in life if you play golf. And everyone told me, once you get your LPGA card, since you're good looking, you're going to make so much money and everyone's going to love you and you're going to get every endorsement there is. You just have to get out there and start winning. Well, that's really easy to say, except for it's the hardest thing in the world. You're competing against the best athletes in the world. And also, too, people don't even realize that the money on the LPGA Tour, unless you're getting a ton of sponsors, the money on the LPGA Tour is actually horrible. Like, you have to be in the top basically 50 in the world to make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah. And you're traveling 28 weeks a year. And your expenses are $100,000, if not more, if you're, you know, staying in more than a Motel 6. And so it's, so easy for people to say that must be the life. But if that life isn't what you truly want, oh my gosh, you're in trouble. There's two golden nuggets you said that I want to unpack on in that is number one, I think people look at professional sports and they think it's a glamorous life, but many of the professional sports, both men and women's golf in particular, if you're not in the top 50, maybe a hundred, you're not making any money. None. It is a very hard life. In fact, I remember when I got heavy into triathlons and they have, you know, there are a few that are professional triathletes, maybe the top 10 in the world actually make money. 
And mm-hmm. so it is very difficult. Not just because you're a pro doesn't mean you are having financial success. Number two, you said something I think we can't overlook. Did you actually really love golf that much? And your answer, it sounded like was not really. Oh, absolutely not. And I think a lot of people would be blown away by how many professional athletes don't actually like what they do. But for some, especially if you're in the NBA or you're in football, it can create generational wealth, right? And so just because you're six, eight and super athletic, basketball is your avenue to make a ton of money. So just because you are playing professional sports, by no means does it actually tell you that you actually like the sport you're playing. And so I think people would be blown away by how many pro athletes don't do it for the love of the sport. Absolutely. I love golf now. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love golf now, but that's because now it isn't about the external validation. And we're going to get there in a second. This is, that's, (laughs) that's very important. You bring that up. You know, you have, if you guys haven't seen Christina talk, she has an awesome keynote about chasing the golf claps, right? You've spent a lot, you've spent a lot of your early life, especially in the sport of golf, chasing the golf clap. And if you, for those that are golfers, what, you know, you think about what the golf clap is, it's, it's a, it's an acknowledgement that you're doing well. Right. And you had said when you got to professional golf, it became, who did, who do you know? What are you wearing? How do you look? And it wasn't always so much about playing the sport itself. So when you got to pro golf, Christina, where did you, you know, where did you start seeing or what were some of the things that started happening in your life where you started seeing the self-worth issues come into play? Oh gosh. Um, it was probably from the minute I was getting the attention, you know, I probably didn't even realize it until I was more so in college, but I struggled with an eating disorder. I struggled with self-worth throughout all of it because I believed I was only worthy of what I was performing in that moment. So if I like, you know, I'm a very hard worker. That is definitely one of my best qualities. And I think one of the things that, um, I just believed, even if I was working so hard, I, if I wasn't getting the results, I didn't believe I was good enough. I didn't believe I was worthy. I didn't believe people would like me. I didn't believe I had a purpose, you know, unless I was getting those results. Everything from me came from the external validation and you can be busting your ass and still not win. So for me, it was like, I'm never good enough. And you're on this hamster wheel of never being good enough. And you only feel that that hit of dopamine, like you're good enough when you have the success. Shit, I could have, you know, sat on my ass all week and won the golf tournament and felt amazing about myself, but I didn't give myself the atta girls of what I was putting into it and and all of the, the beauty that I was doing to myself and working on myself didn't matter because I wasn't getting the external validation or the golf clap. Yeah. And I, again, going back to the, the sports analogy, being a professional athlete, whether it's a pitcher on the mound or a golfer um, at a tournament, you are constantly being compared to your competition via stats, right? And it's so easy to let those self issue, self-worth issues bubble up as a result. Like you think about the game of golf, Christina, like you're literally teeing off on the tee box and the score is right behind you. Like you talk about being compared to by stats. All you got to do is turn around and you know exactly how you're doing. Mm-hmm. So take us to that moment where you realized, cause you and I have had conversations about this before 
you realized that you had hit rock bottom. And there was that moment in your life where you're like, what in the hell am I doing? If you don't yeah. mind diving into that a little bit, take us back to that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it like, honestly, it was yesterday. You know, it wasn't just exactly one moment. It was the accumulation of so many things for so many years. Like I said, this really started when I was like 18 and I was about 28. I had just failed Q school, quote unquote, failed getting my tour card for the third year in the row. It was like a January. I was ironing in my back closet. I'd probably, you know, made myself throw up 30 times that week, if not more. And I remember just looking out the window thinking, how in the world did I get here? How the hell is this my life? Like never in my wildest dreams. I've always known deep within myself that I would be successful, but yet at that moment, it was just a, a moment of like, this was so not the plan. Like how in the world am I here right now? And it, for me, it was just that moment of like, I'm either going, you know, it was probably a path towards, you know, death in some regards, or it was figuring out how to do something different. And I knew that the only thing I really knew was that A, I could work hard and B, there was people in life who were actually happy that had way less than me. So how the hell were they happy? And if they can do it, perhaps I can do it. So let's, let's start talking about the comeback story. Mm -hmm. So you hit rock bottom. You said, I can't do this anymore. I want to make this super tangible for the people listening. You then dug yourself out and realized golf wasn't your future, at least professional golf. Yeah. What steps did you start taking to put yourself in that position where you could bring the happiness back into your life? You could find what it is you love to do so much that you couldn't wake up couldn't wait to get up the next day to do it all over again to steal a quote from Chris Gardner. You know, what was that path you took to the woman we see today that is rocking, kicking ass and having fun? Yeah, you know what? It, who knew that, you know, it's probably been a 10-year journey for me. I'm going to be 38 this year. So from 28 to 38 was really when I decided to kind of make some changes. I knew I could do something about it. First thing I really started to do is like when I said I, I knew that other people were actually generally happy. I, a guy who's now still to this day, one of my best friends, I remember meeting him along the line at um, a golf event that I was doing. And I remember him just being genuinely happy, but he had a faith about him that I didn't really have, but he was always into reading books about self-development and he was you know listening to he wasn't a big podcast person but i started reading books about self-development then i started listening to podcasts and youtube videos then i started going to events and hiring coaches and getting involved with masterminds and the more that i did this the more and also too just a big part of it is you know believing that there was something greater than me that i could finally go okay i give it's not, it's, I can't do this by myself. And I think it was a combination of doing the work and listening to the self-development and diving into that and hiring the coaches and getting in the masterminds. And then also too, knowing that the more that I now realize that every single thing is happening for me, COVID, a perfect example. I have taken COVID and crushed it in COVID because 
I believe it's happening for me. Like I believe every single thing, hard and not hard, and I've had a lot of hard in my life is happening for me. That's awesome. You know, you said a couple things there that are worth repeating. You got into self-development. That was a big piece of, of who you are today. Mm-hmm. Whether it's books, events, masterminds, but you said something in there that can't be overlooked and that's doing the work. And so you take yourself back to Christina, the, the professional golfer. Everything you were chasing was external, right? The yes. golf claps, the right people, the right looks. And everything changed for you when you realized, no, 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 no. <laughs> it starts with what's in here. Yeah. And so what advice would you have? And we're going we're gonna to get into a little bit of what you're doing today and how yeah. you're helping impact the world today. What advice would you give to somebody right now who is chasing external success, who is allowing their happiness to be tied to, whether it's money, stuff, cars, houses, what would you tell them? You know, I have had the money. I have had the skinniness. I have had the success. I have had the relationships. I've had all those things. And I always believed it was that next thing that would make me happy. And I know when you're in it, it's really, really hard to believe. But the one thing that I would say is go look at all the people who have the stuff. Because most people, it's the stuff. It's the cars, it's the money, it's the house, it's the relationship, all the things. I know people who've been married for 50 years who fucking hate each other. I know people who have $7 million and are miserable. I know people who are literally stick thin, been on the cover of magazines. I used to model myself. Trust me, you are not going to get happier. I used to take photos of my scale, just believing that if I got from 129.1 to 128.9, I'd be happier. If I saw, you know, one bad photo, like my, I would, I, I've had the, the, the success. I have clients still to this day who are billionaires, you know, and I've met a lot of people along the line. And I will tell you that happiness does not come from any of the things. And if you are not happy where you're at now, and if you are not at least finding some joy where you are at this moment, like I'll be honest, my life is pretty freaking amazing, but I concentrate on how amazing my life is. And I find more amazingness in my life because that's what I'm concentrating on. I know people who have so much more than me that bitch about their life 24 seven. You know, you've got to find the happiness in the now you've got to be grateful for the now. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, when I work the the clients I work with, I think a lot of people tie their happiness to achieving some goal, mm-hmm. but you gotta be happy before you achieve the goal. If you're going to achieve the goal, it's, it's, yes. it, it always comes back down to the, the habits and rituals. So You know, let's talk about a little bit of what you're doing today, Christina. I mean, I think what you're doing is having a huge impact on women around the world. And, you know, you're taking lessons you've learned from your professional golf career. Mm -hmm. And you're now transitioning them into how to help women, females, executive females overcome a battle many have, including men, which is self-worth issues. So let's tell me a little bit about your coaching business and who you're serving and how you're helping today. 
Yeah, I'm super, super blessed. You know, I have worked with a lot of coaches. I've been a part of a lot of masterminds. And I truly believe that, you know, not everyone likes to do one-on-one coaching. I freaking love it. I treat it like an athletic relationship because I know you're not just going to have a problem on a Wednesday at two o'clock during our call. You know, you might have something come up on a Sunday afternoon and you want, you know, someone to uh, bounce ideas off. I talk work with a lot of women in business as well. I actually have male clients as well. You know, I have clients who are very successful that need that, you know, bouncing board. My, my thought process on coaching is it's already in you. My job is to keep you so motivated, so consistent and so accountable to doing the thing that you actually actually want to do in this world. I believe every single human being has a massive purpose and it's your responsibility to live that out. But I think most people are inherently lazy. I mean, you and I were, we get it. We hire teams, we hire coaches. I have a trainer for that exact reason. I know I'm not going to push myself to do 20 reps with 15 pounds. I'm the girl who's going to do like three with five, you know, like I know what I need in my life. And I also, I still have a coach to this day because, you know, you need that external perspective and you need that person to push you to the limit. And I think that there's so much magic because most of us are not even living up to a fraction of what we can be accomplishing in this world. And we need skin in the game and we need people holding us accountable to doing that because I truly believe it's a responsibility to live your most purposeful, profitable life. You know, you hit something on the head I want to I wanna make a point about. Number one, coaches need coaches. Uh, totally. Leaders need leaders. Yep. And I hear you hear it a lot. Well, I already know that. Well, great. Are you doing anything about it? Totally. I agree a thousand percent. And people, like you said, I couldn't agree more. People have it in them. Most need coaching for the fact they just need a slight perspective shift that unlocks what's already inside of them. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it, the power of coaching and I, and we probably didn't intend to go here, but we're going to go. here. <laughs> um, like you were a former professional golfer. Yep. A lot of professional golfers probably couldn't make great, great coaches. Why? When they sit a guy like me down to teach me how to play golf, they would just tell me, do it like I did it. Yeah. And they can't meet that individual where they're at and say, okay, based on where you are at today, we're going to make just a few tweaks to help you unlock that greatness with it, which is inside of you. I think that's a very important lesson um, in coaching and, and having that coaching today. It can't be overlooked at all. So you, a couple weeks ago, you just had a really awesome event. It's your annual, um, decide it's your turn event. Yeah. Which normally is live. I know we had to pivot. (laughs) Everyone's pivoting this year. Everybody. I still remember, uh, somebody we both know very well, Chris Harder. Yeah. Um, telling us that 2020 is going to be the year of the event, right? Yeah. 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 Did we know four months in all events live are gone, <laughs> but you know what? We still had an event. We still had an event. We did the yeah. hard things. We moved it to virtual. You know, when you do your first event, you have no idea how to do it, whether it's in person and you have no idea how to do it if it's virtual. And so you, you know, my women with class mastermind, which is coming up very soon. We're starting in uh, middle of June. I'm very, I'm super thankful. You know, I've been doing this for 
four years starting with an in-person retreat and then going virtual. But now I'm allowing, you know, everyone from around the world to be joining because we're going all virtual for four months. So I'm super, you know, I think everyone in this in this world has a purpose and if you pivot right now you can still be serving people you can figure out how to serve people absolutely so we're gonna wrap it up with decide it's your turn and then your class mastermind coming up yeah i do want to ask you a really important question though love it when you were a professional golfer you allowed again you were chasing all the external adulation and you realize that it led to you were tying your literal your self-worth to your ability to play golf. Mm-hmm. But you said something earlier about when you let that go and you literally stopped playing golf professionally, you fell back in love with the sport. Mm. What lesson do you think you learned from Christina, the professional golfer, to Christina playing golf at the local country club in Conway, Arkansas today? Mm, There's so many, but I think the number one thing is just so much gratitude. Like I am just so grateful that I have the ability to play golf and that I can get out there and be competitive and I can enjoy it and I can have the sun shining down on me. And it's a break from my coaching, which I do, you know, nine, 10 hours a day, like whenever I get the chance. And the cool thing about it too, is, you know, I've manifested a lot of things. I remember this is a pretty cool story. When I was in college, my country club that I'm now a member at now, I remember they graciously allowed me to come practice out there. And I remember a member walking up to me and asking me my name and how I've been playing. And this was a beautiful country club. And I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. I'm out here. And he's like, Hey, if you ever need a drink or anything, put it on my account. And I was like, so taken back. This is the coolest story ever. I manifested a hundred million percent. I am now not my husband. I am the primary member at that country club. And that man who bought me a drink is now my, I call it my old man money game. He is now my (laughs) partner in our money games. And to this day, I, I created that reality by being so in my purpose. If I would have continued to play golf, there's probably no way I would have been a member at that country club. And now I'm so abundant. And every month when I get that bill that I hardly ever play at, but I pay in full every time, I just, I'm so grateful to write that check because it brings me to tears because I remember being on that range thinking, oh my God, this is so nice. And now every month I get to write that check and I'm a member there. So that is really, I think, the point is for people to realize that like when you step truly into your purpose and be so grateful for it all, that's when the miracles and the blessings happen. Absolutely. And I think what I heard you say as well is the second you stop tying your worth to some outcome, Mm -hmm. in your case, it used to be a score in golf. Shit gets a lot clearer and you start enjoying life a lot more and you can be happy now. Absolutely. I'm not telling you it's not, I'm not saying it's not hard. It's so hard, but it's the best hard work you'll ever do. So let's, let's wrap it up here with a couple of last things, Christina. This has been great. I, again, thank you for your time. I know you're super busy. You talked about, you have decided to turn. It's an event you just uh, held a couple of weeks ago. You've got the mastermind coming up, whether it's your decided to your turn event, cause you're going to do that every year, or you've got your mastermind 
who's a good fit and who, who should be reaching out to you to see that, to see if they are a fit for this, these events. Yeah, absolutely. Any woman decide it's your turn is for any woman who's ready to decide it's her turn to do that thing in life. And that thing could be start the job, leave the job, lose the weight, get in the relationship, get out of that relationship, start liking yourself again, or living so much more in your purpose. Like that is what it is for. And then the, my women with class mastermind is really the vehicle that will allow you to continue living so much in your decisions. My job and that group of women are so in aligned with the decision that they're making and they want to hold themselves accountable because again, most humans are inherently lazy and they don't know the direction to go and they, you can do it by yourself, but why would you, you know, put skin in the game, get in there and, and have a team of like-minded individuals holding you accountable to doing the thing that you said you wanted to do. Hold yourself accountable to doing the damn thing. And, and once you have that support and the vision and the goal and the motivation and the accountability and the consistency, oh my gosh, you can, you too can write the check for the country club you never use. <laughs> well, and trust me, guys, I'm sure you're seeing it already firsthand. You get yourself around Christina and her energy, action becomes really easy. So Christina, oh, what you. is the easiest way for somebody to get a hold of you if they want to learn it's more about Instagram. the event? Instagram at B-E Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, at B Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, because B, I, every single day, my goal is to show up and be Christina, whether that's golf Christina, coach Christina, wife Christina, or Christina sitting her ass on the couch. I want every single person to be themselves. Be Andy, be Christina, be Joe, be whoever. Awesome. Two last questions. Yes. This one, books, reading. Mm. I'm somebody listening right now. What book would you recommend uh -huh. around maybe the topic we've been talking about, self-worth? Do you have a yep. book that you might recommend somebody read right now? So if you're a female, I would say the number one is um, Gifts of Imperfection or You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Mm. The Gifts of Imperfection Imperfe is Brene Brown. Um, if I was a guy, I would probably say the subtle art of not giving a fuck is really good. <laughs> Most people really enjoy that one. And then if you have a little bit of faith base to you, if you believe something greater than yourself, uh, chase the lion is pretty amazing for sure. And, um, good to great is, is good as well. Awesome. So let's finish here. Okay. Parting words of wisdom. Is there anything else? Again, this audience listening to you going from the professional golfer dealing with self-worth issues to the woman you are today coaching top executives. What, what last piece of advice would you give anybody out there who's listening right now? 100% live so in your purpose that it really truly sets your soul on fire and be willing to do what others aren't hmm. because that's really where the magic happens. My husband and I have a family affirmation of we do hard things. And I think the more hard things you do, the more you push yourself into your greatness because you have a responsibility. You were born with a purpose and you have the responsibility to live that purpose out. Whew, that was awesome. Um, Thank you. you know, I think it's pretty simple. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I hope you found Christina's energy infectious, Yay. but at the same time, if you are out there and you do admit you're finding yourself tying maybe your own worth, your value to the results you're getting in business, in sports, whatever it might be, you're not alone. But please, please, please take Christina's words to heart. 
Start by fixing yourself. Quit chasing external rewards. You fix yourself inside, everything outside will take care of itself. And quit tying yourself, tying your value to those outcomes. Be happy now and you will achieve your outcomes. And I love what you just said last. Just be willing to do what others won't. Yes. Really that simple. So Christina. Be a good human. <laughs> be a good human. I want to thank you one more time for joining. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, always. And if you're listening, my ask is please, 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 if you're finding these interviews valuable, please go to Apple. Please subscribe. And if you find the content worth it, I would love it for you to give me a five-star review. Until next week, remember, where confidence and clarity collide, action happens. Take care.